I still got to think of my popular opinion. I just can't think of one. Wow. I guess I'll ask you on air. I don't want to get, I don't want to like have all the good conversation before we start. But I'm already done, man. I, I've got nothing <laughs> left. Got nothing left. That's, Do I, you have your I pen? Planned. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, Everything. wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't even started yet. I know, we're already getting, com- coming in hot. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Bottom of the Bill. We got returning guest Taylor Roberts yeah. today. Um, Taylor Roberts is a guitarist based here in Jacksonville. He studied and played with greats such as Barry Green, Keith J- Javors, I Javers, Javers yeah. uh, Bunky Green, Christian Tambor, and Charlie Hunter, but is probably best known at this point for his self-accompaniment skills on the seven-string guitar. His ability to uniquely reinterpret modern and classic pop songs with his highly skilled approach has landed him some of the top gigs in the Southeast Taylor's in the process of recording a new studio album and has just released his second, li- second live album or first live album? First live, second solo album. Okay. Yeah. Uh, live at Blue Jay, available now on all platforms. So check that out. That's a mouthful on that one. Yeah, that was a lot. You yeah. didn't even put any comments or anything. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, it looks a lot better than how I said you gotta, it. Got to leave some room for breathing. I listened yeah. to your album today, front to back. It was, I love it. I man. love it, man. Thank you, guys. Wow. Yeah, I can't I remember that. the name of the Ella Fitzgerald song. That, I lo- that was my favorite. Oh, the ballad, the slow one. Yeah, uh, I love that one. Someone to watch over me. Thank yeah, you. that's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the highlight of it for yeah, me. Gershwin, I love that one. man. They have, they, the, those composers have such a catalog, man. I mean, those songs are so timeless. You know, they, they just, even though they're 100 years old, they're still... Pretty relevant, you know, musically and lyrically. Totally. So. The one that got me, I think, was the opener, uh, the Wolfpack Two. Oh, yeah, I love that. That's great too. Yeah, I, I try to introduce as many people to uh, Wolfpack as as I can. They're like the funkiest hipsters in the world. They you know? they are that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I have one gripe with the album, and it's just that you didn't play "Leave the Door Open" on it. Uh, and yeah. I'm really kind of upset about it. So it was recorded, to be fair, it was recorded in February of 2021. 20, 21, yes. And Leave the Door Open dropped in March. So, like, you know, for whatever reason, Bruno and Anderson didn't give me the heads up before they dropped the single. They, uh, Fuckers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I blocked both of their numbers since then. <laughs> yeah. they, um, they keep calling me to go on the road with them, but I'm still pissed. So, still pissed um, about it. Yeah. yeah. I would be too. Yeah. I just Some, saw, something about a Vegas residency. Yeah, I, I just saw that today on Instagram that they're going to do a, a, like, Elvis Presley sort of deal in, <laughs> in Las I, Vegas at the Stardust Motel. Excuse me. I, I feel like. They're both a bit too early in their careers to make that kind of a they're, commitment they're, right now. They're going with like the whole seventies vibe and everything. You know what I mean? And I like guess, trying to make it look that way. I would love to go to one of those shows. I would definitely go to that show, yeah. Oh 100%. yeah. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Have you listened to the whole record? I lost count of how many times, man. Yeah. So I mean, good. I, I I thought that once that single dropped, they were just I was just like, just give them the Grammy now. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it's 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 obviously a throwback to the '70s R&B stuff, and and they've got their own modern twist on everything, which is what I love about Bruno. And I'm so glad that that Anderson's like in the limelight, where he, where he deserves to be. He's getting a lot more recognition. Totally, because I've man. been such a fan for for so many years, man. He's just such a just a brilliant, comprehensive musician. Yeah, know? absolutely, man. I remember uh, Chris actually showed me. Uh, gave me a link to the Tiny Desk concert that he did mm-hmm. a few years back, and that's when that's, I discovered him. Yep, same. Yeah. That's, and, that's what blew him up. Yeah, and I was like, yo, this guy is awesome. And then I didn't realize how uh, much influence like hip-hop had in, in like his whole ca- catalog, and he's just releasing like modern hip-hop records. Yep. You know, and it was like, for, that was it was so refreshing to hear that in the age of mumble rap. You know, so you hear, like, you hear rappers like that coming out. Not to mention how talented he is, 
as a musician, but like as a rapper, he's equally as talented. It's incredible, man. I mean, you hear him, he's, he's everywhere now and, uh, and he's got that side of him, but then like you hear some of his other stuff, like off of Malibu and, and like any of those cuts would fit in perfectly on like his seventies R and B, you know, outdoor summer party, you know, mixtape or whatever. You totally. Know? So. Really smart branding and marketing across mm-hmm. the board with those guys. I mean, yeah, like who was coming up with that idea of like, this is what we're going to do. That's like, yeah. I mean, I would have to imagine that a lot of that was Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac collaboratively had this some, thing. Some guy in Sweden's like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and they're like, we're going to get, you know, I, I, boys I, together to do it. I would like to believe that it's not that. You don't think so? I don't know. Ooh. Who knows, man? You never know at that level. Just Atlantic Records put it together. <laughs> um, <laughs> it we, could be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you never know, I guess. But I would hope that it's not. I would hope that it's their vision to an extent. But uh, we may have talked about this a little bit last time, but uh, you did 10 songs on this, on this live op- album. I did, yeah. Uh, did you do it all in one sitting, or did you kind of do like a couple nights and then choose your best performances? So it was all from one night. There were, uh, I think overall, somewhere between 15 and 18 songs throughout the evening. And, okay. and I did what I did was just try and whittle it down to my favorites out of the night. And uh, it, was, it was tough, man. I mean, because I didn't, I, I, you know, part of, part of my like, Maybe it's ego. Maybe it's just purism. Maybe it's you know whatever. Fill in the blank. But I, I didn't want to punch anything. I didn't want to like you know adjust anything in post. I wanted it to be as raw and, and and pure as possible. So I had to cut like probably my favorite arrangement out of that night because there was one flub that stuck out like a sore thumb, man. And it was my arrangement of uh, the sound of silence. Oh. And uh, so you know, and and I mean, I, I've I've heard this about like you know young directors, young musicians. It's like something you're gonna have to come to terms with. Is like you're probably gonna have to get rid of your favorite scene. Yeah, you're probably gonna have to cut your favorite song. You're probably gonna have to, and you're gonna have to, you know, just you know grow up and live with that, and you know, and just put it out there. And so it's like you know what, all the more reason to keep putting out more stuff. Yeah, totally, so. man, totally. Um, it's it's got to be so nerve wracking though when you're up there and you're you know you get one take <laughs> on everything. Um, yeah, it was kind of, I, I kind of threw it all together at the last minute without anybody's permission. It was, a, it was like, uh, well, it started out with a Facebook post. It was like, cause it was just going to be a regular show at the Blue Jay, which, you know, is, I mean, I've played a ton of places over the years and, and, and the Blue Jay is still to this day, my favorite venue to, to play at. It just happens to be right here in Jack's beach. Yeah. Know? And, uh, and I just got this wild hair. It's like, yeah. So anybody who plans on coming, just make sure, uh, you know, you, uh, you, you cheer extra loud and, you know, you dress extra nice because you're going to be on a video. You're going to be on my next album because it's going to be recorded video, you know, like high def video. It's going to be my next album. And you know, so I threw the post up there, you know, got a bunch of attention. Then I text Kara. I was like, Oh, uh, by the way, do you mind if we do this? (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's kind of expecting it now. And of course she was cool. Yeah. You know, and and it was the first time you know, she had done anything like that. And I got the guys at NFS records, you know, Ryan Leroy and John Mike to come work their magic. And, uh, you know, it couldn't have gone any smoother, man. That's awesome, so, man. I mean, the, the quality was, it was so good on it. I mean, 6k, uh, video cameras was crazy. I haven't and seen they had just gotten some new, uh, yeah. If you just, uh, look on the YouTube page, if you, if you search Taylor Roberts live at the blue Jay, they've got, there's, uh, the 10 tracks that made the album and then, and then a few extras on there too. Okay. So. That's awesome. That, that was actually one of my questions on here. Have you thought about doing like a video thing, but you did that already. It's out there. So that's awesome. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find that. Uh, we should 
maybe you try and put a clip of that in the Look at episode. me more because I'm not in charge of this anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the boys in the back. I said we'll, it right finally. We'll, we'll ask him. Uh, <laughs> we'll ask him after the, afterwards. <laughs> yeah, we actually shoot in uh, NBA 2K on our podcast. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That's that's a good one. <laughs> NBA 2K. Are we talking PS3 or PS4? PS3. Three. Dude. Yeah, because that was like four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we host a podcast. Hey, <laughs> we're musicians. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um so you said eight eight eighteen songs total you played or fifteen? Some something around that, yeah. So at, like like why like what was it like having to make that choice on some of the songs? Like wh- was there was there some songs that were performed well and you were just like it doesn't matter, I have to like cut this out. Part of it was diversity. Um, that's, that's a big thing for me is I, I want, you know, obviously like fast songs, slow songs, you know, stylistic, uh, you know, change things up as much as possible. But, uh, but I also have to kind of like understand that like this day and age, you know, people aren't really listening to like double albums anymore. Right. You know? Um, for better or worse, you know, whatever. I mean, my last album, A Day in the Life, there were 15 tracks on there. It was pretty long. And even the guy who engineered the, the album and mixed and mastered, he was like, this is kind of a long album, you know. You <laughs> might want to, it was like, no, I want all these songs, you know. And, uh, you know, whatever, it's out there. But, uh, you know, I figured it would maybe be a little bit more digestible while still having as much variety as, as I could provide. So there'd be a little something for everybody. Totally. I, I love the set list, man. It's Thanks, like really man. just kind of captures every era, every genre, you know. Um, what's the uh, preparation like going into this as far as your practice and stuff? Um, well, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, as, as far as, like, really buckling down and, 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 and practicing, like, I'm going to, like, totally tell on myself here because, uh, you know, most of – most of the practicing I do nowadays is really kind of more or less on the gig on, on the steady gigs that I, I do you. because you know, it's, it's in a restaurant at a hotel and it's not, um, I mean, I did the bulk of my real, like, you know, woodshedding, whatever you want to call it when I was in, when I was in school at, uh, you know, and I was in the practice room eight hours a day on a regular basis. And, uh, and that's when a lot of the stuff was really in like that pressure cooker sort of environment where I was just like learning new shit every day and just like trying to digest as much as possible. And, it's sort of like over the past 20 years gradually marinated into whatever it is I do now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I made a point to kind of come up with a set list and then focus on those songs and play those repeatedly on the gigs, you know, almost, you know, like the way comedians work out their sets on stage, yeah. you know, like when they're on the road before they record, you know, I mean, that's kind of what, not that I'm a comedian, uh, just ask my girlfriend, um, but um, but uh, but it was it was a good way to sort of get used to playing those songs and, and to try and play them as as uh, execute them as well as possible in front of a crowd, you know, before the actual night happened. Yeah, so. that's definitely. I think uh, the grind is very similar with comedians and musicians in that way because very much. Um, you can't really practice comedy at home. I mean, you can in front of a mirror, <laughs> but you need a crowd. And it's yeah, works yeah. Or not. T- totally. And 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 there's and an the aspect same with your to your songs too before you like record it, or like a, especially if you're gonna do a live album. I guess that's the comparison you're making. Yeah, well, just in general, I think that like you can write songs for yourself and you can love the music, 
uh, but you don't really know if it works until you get it in front of a crowd. And then the songs are constantly evolving, whether it's an original piece or whether it's an arrangement of a song. There's like you're gonna be you're gonna be adjusting things based on how the crowd reacts to what you're doing. I very think, much. and I, that's very much how I approach it in any ways, you know. So um, it's very similar grind in that way, and I'm kind of in the same boat. I do a lot of shedding on things that I don't know how to do, yeah. but but like, cause there's a lot, right? Oh, <laughs> <it's> always. <laughs> but um, but as far as like tunes that, that I've like you know gotten a basic understanding on, mm-hmm. I'll just work out the rest of it on the gig, whether whether I have the lyrics 100% down or whether I have the progression 100% down or if I know how I'm going to take a solo or when I'm going to take a solo, I figure all that stuff out on the gig, you know. And I think there's there's value to both types of practice. And I mean, there's things you can get out of practicing on the gig that you can't get out of practicing at home and, and vice versa. Right. You know. Totally. And there's like, there's an aspect of that pressure that's there too on the gig where you know, so if you don't nail this, then you look like an asshole. Yeah. And you can't be like in front of a crowd, just be like, oh shit, let me start that over again. You know, yeah, like, totally. I mean, you can, but you know, yeah, <laughs> that's not gonna, it's not gonna help your uh, standing. Yeah. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> um, you know, and like, the, and it's cool because like part of the, what's interesting about the bar gigs um, that I've been able to really utilize them in this capacity is to try things out that I don't know if I can really nail just yet. It's it, fun. Yeah. It's fun taking those risks, man. Yeah. Cause it's like, a lot of the time, like you're just wallpaper, anyways. So it's like you can just take those risks, and no one really notices. Mm-hmm. Or if you really nail it, and that one person that does, you're just like, "Fuck yes!" Yep. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's I've uh, I listen to a lot of the comedians' podcasts and and just listen to their stories because it, it is such such a similar grind, you know. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. I mean, part of the fun for me, and I think what what sort of like attracts me. The, the whole like culture of, of of playing jazz is like jumping off with both feet and taking those risks and just being like, let me get myself into this situation that I have no idea how to get out of and see if I can see if I'll survive it. And, totally. You know, I like I like getting myself into those situations, especially in group you know settings where I know you know these guys will push me and like sometimes push me over the edge but if they see me falling they'll at least kind of like okay like, really like, in. yeah so it's cool to have that kind of uh to have garnered that kind of respect amongst musicians at that level mm-hmm. because we all know that they also have the capacity to not reel you back in yes and if they don't respect you they for sure won't absolutely <laughs> not that that's ever happened yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no that definitely exists <laughs> Depending uh, on where you go and how, how how tight you are with the band, for sure. Definitely. Um, and, yeah, I, that's definitely been my experience on more than one occasion. But it's also been the, the other way, too, where, you know, people realize you're not catching what's happening. And they right. just, you know, they don't want to make the whole band look bad. Because if, you, if one person train wrecks, then everyone train, train wrecks, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, man. I, I love that aspect of it, though. I've always wanted to see a band do that to somebody they're pissed off is everybody just stop at the exact same time, but the other person that they don't like on stage just keeps going, and they'd be like, oh, what are you doing, bud? Let's yeah. hear it. Let's see what you got. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, I, when I was playing with, uh, with, with Rock and Jake, he would, when I first joined the band, um, I was like, I was not good. But, and he would... Uh, put me in these scenarios where I had to take like very long solos and then I would be like done in my head and he just like looks at me he's like yeah he's just keep it going keep yeah. it going I'm just like bro I'm done played all my licks man <laughs> yeah. I'm ideas I'm <laughs> you know? done bro uh, that's never a fun feeling either oh man 
Um, what uh, what's this new project that you're working on right now? So this is uh, this is a quintet. This is um, kind of like a, a reunion of sorts. Like all my big brothers. Like I, I got Billy Thornton, who's one of my best friends. He's been he's been like my my musical big brother for the past twenty years. He's on bass. He lived in Jacksonville for years. Now he's up in Atlanta. Kevin Bales, who was a mentor of mine, he was a professor at UNF for years. He's up in Atlanta as well. He plays piano. Just one of the most brilliant musicians in the world. I mean, all these guys, I I, I, I can definitely vouch for and say they could go toe to toe with anybody anywhere. And I mean, they're some of the best musicians in the world, and some of some of my best friends. Uh, Peter Miles is playing drums, um, and Juan Roland is playing tenor sax. Hell yeah! And uh, I. I I had had this idea kind of bouncing around in my head for for a number of years, but just never really had the uh, a financial wherewithal and uh, organizational skills, I guess you can say, to kind of get everybody on the same page together at this place at, on the same day, and and really have the uh, the the time, energy, vision to get it all you know set up, and and. I, we finally were able to make it happen. And I just wanted to go in with kind of like a blank canvas. You know, I, it's, it's, a, it's very much a straight ahead jazz album. You know, it's, it's standards, it's tunes, you know, one, one tune is by Ellis Marsalis, another one's, uh, you know, an old Cole Porter tune. Um, we do uh, The Nearness of You, that's the ballad on there. That's one of my favorites. And it's tunes that we all know and that we've all played together, you know, in various configurations over the past couple of decades. And because of that camaraderie and because we've all played with each other and logged so many hours together, I knew that we could just go in and just organically create like something really magical. And, and I feel like that's absolutely what, what we did. That's you know, awesome. I wanted to go in. I didn't have really any agenda. I just wanted to hit record and just want to, let's see what happens. They were mostly, mostly first takes. We were all happy with everything. Man. That's amazing, man. So what a, like talk about capturing lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. the, a first take, Type of shit. That's mm-hmm. it. even, and sometimes it's like even the first take might not be the best performance, but it's the one that just feels right. It's the most honest. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's what we that's what we uh, captured. I feel like, and it's funny because what what worked out was uh, it was uh, Stefan Klein is actually on the first uh, couple tracks. He's, he's playing drums, and, nice. and he was scheduled for the the the, the initial session, uh, which was in August of 2021. We got two really great takes, and we were about halfway through the third take, and the console decided to shit the bed. <sighs> had two guys down from Atlanta, you know, two other the guys. I think I, I think they had to like uh, turn down gigs just to do the session. Oh my god! Like, I mean, we were fine. I feel bad for the studio because they they were just like because everybody was looking forward to this, and obviously, you know, that's NFS is, is such a high demand place. You know, we felt worse for them than anybody else. We just went and got food, and we're just like, "Fuck it, well, you know, we'll figure it out." You know, and then we finally rescheduled. Uh, Steph wasn't able to do it, so I got Pete, and you know, we were able to knock out the rest of the tracks. So I'm, I, I want to kind of pull it back a little bit and talk about uh, the organization stuff and the things that you that were preventing you from doing this earlier on. Can you kind of dive into what that means? Sure. Um, well. Uh, being a primarily a solo artist, I, I mean, there's 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 pros and cons to it. Um, somebody with, uh, I, I I guess, 
a personality like mine. Uh, I don't, and that that comes with a lot of baggage. I'll just say that much. I, mean, it's, <laughs> I have enough. Tr- I have enough trouble managing myself. Yeah, sure. You know, as as a solo musician, I think most people who perform solo is like can probably identify with that. You know, um, to a degree, but uh, you know, just. Uh, the obsession and the over analysis and the, you know, eventual paralysis and sometimes just giving up and just saying like, fucking, I'm just not even going to do it. And then, uh, and then finally just going with it. I mean, I kind of, I kind of wrestled with it back and forth for a number of years and, uh, and, and toyed with the idea until finally I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to make this happen. Um, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, kind of get my money right and, 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 and get the guys on board and, uh, you know that everything just kind of lined up. You know, I mean, I kind of it was more it was more a sense of like allowing everything to line up rather than just forcing it all to line up. Totally, and sometimes you, know? you got to kind of take your hand off the the, the wheel that's a little it. bit. You know, that's really what it was. Uh, it's interesting that paralysis is real. I, mean, I think that people in just about any profession can relate to that, where you just get mm-hmm. so overwhelmed by the responsibility that comes with doing a certain task mm-hmm. that you just shut down and you say, "Well, fuck this." And what separates the people that ultimately become very successful is overcoming that. And say, like, we all, like, everybody gets that paralysis, right? Yeah. It's a matter of saying, like, this is actually not paralyzing me, though. This is, like, my own bullshit that's keeping me down right yeah, now. The old committee, man. The, uh, what do they call it? The, um, it'll come to me later. The old committee. I like tonight, that term, yeah, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what are the imposter syndrome? The that's imposter like syndrome. A, yeah, oh, my know. God, man. If I, if I could tell you how often I have like the fraud complex or the imposter syndrome going on. It is unreal. You know, sometimes you feel that way, at least for, I'll speak to myself because we, we don't live in a city that's like, you know, predominantly like a music town or an entertainment where entertain the entertainment industry is not like a part of our local economy. Essentially. Jacksonville isn't known for that as well as much as like new Orleans. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Chicago or LA for that matter. Absolutely. So it's like just existing in that kind of an ecosystem and then Mm -hmm. trying to operate in the capacity that the, that, that the artist um, in those cities do operate. You feel like, like you don't really have the same seat at the table. You know what I mean? At least that's my position sometimes. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, and uh, yeah, and, but but it's funny because I mean, the just the talent level in the city. I don't need to tell you guys; it's just off the charts. It's insane, man. man. Um, yeah. But uh, but the way it, it can sometimes come at me is like you know, in a crowded, noisy restaurant at a five diamond hotel. I'll be like, oh man, everybody knows that I should have played a half whole diminished scale instead of a whole half diminished yeah. scale at that half of a bar there, and they all know I'm full of shit now. You know, yeah. it's like, which is clearly insane, but you know, it's very real to me in the moment. And I'm just like, and then it just like ruins the rest of the song for me. But it's like, you know, I, I have to understand that it's just like, you know, most of most of what goes through my head is bullshit and i just i kind of have to like watch it it's like this is just for entertainment purposes only i gotta just kind of focus on whatever it is my hands are doing and just kind of like act as a spectator rather than a participator if that makes any sense for sure yeah 100 percent, man it's again it's it's taking the hand off the wheel sometimes just letting you do what you do i think that uh you know when you've trained yourself to to do something uh, for so long uh, sometimes the only thing getting in your way is like your your brain, like your 100%. thoughts. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we've trained for this, man. You can just let it go now. Yep. We're good. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, all right, so I want to do, uh, we have a new segment called. Before we do that, what's the name of the project? 
Or do you have a name for it? Uh, right now, it's I, I spent a long time thinking up uh, the name for this. Oh, it's the, the Taylor Roberts Quintet Project. Okay, all right, all right. So, uh, I was about to say, I, lots of sleepless nights. I've got I've got a <laughs> laundry list of band names just ready to go. If you're looking, please for send one. me that. If you, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them probably don't make any sense for a jazz quintet. No, and actually, actually for this that, project, yeah. uh, shameless plug here, I am doing an Indiegogo campaign, um, which is live right now. It's going to be live for another. Uh, uh, I think 50 some odd days, um, which, you know, the link is up on my website, which I, I think we'll probably plug the links at the end of the, Oh, hell, yeah. we, you can plug them right now if you want. TR7guitar.com. And, uh, yeah, it should be, uh, on the splash page here in, uh, in the next couple of days. So hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. We're good. I definitely want to stay on, on this new project for a little bit. I want to go to our, our new segment first though, um, which is called bottom of the billboard. So I yep. think I filled in a little bit earlier today. Um, for those who don't know, each week, one of us, uh, either Billy or I, recommend a song for the other one to listen to, review, and then at the end, we all come to an agreement or a disagreement on whether or not it makes our playlist on Spotify called the bottom of the Billboard playlist. Uh, so for the artists that get on there, I know it sounds really underwhelming, but it's quite the honor. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so follow that playlist uh, and also our... Uh, bottom of the bill playlist, which just features um, all the artists we've had on the show. So you're on there too. I think you might have a couple mm-hmm. of tunes on there. Sweet. Um, so yeah. Anyways, this week we do. Uh, I want to know what, what you think the title of, the, of it is first. But yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so Billy recommended uh, "Cause Equals Time." Yep. By Broken Social Scene. What did you think I was going to say? The title. I don't was? know. Like, is this like a the equal sign? I don't think if you're going to say "Cause Equals Sign Time." I don't know. Maybe you thought, thought you were going to. I'm not I don't know. that dense. Bro. Well, I didn't know. I thought you were just going to be literal. I don't think you're dense. Oh, okay. And I, I, I sent this to him last night at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I didn't think twice about all the jazz that was going to be talked about. Yeah. <laughs> so Good, there's sorry, no way man. this is getting on. I think I got all, all that out of me. No, let's just say That's sorry. That's honestly the most I've talked about jazz in a really long time. I, and, uh, I just don't know anything. For anybody it. still listening, congratulations! I think we're I think we're done with all that misery at this point. Oh no, we're, we're diving <laughs> back into that deep end. Trust me. I just feel like a yeah fish out of water completely with all the name drops. I'm just like, oh cool. <laughs> I bet he plays jazz, and that guy probably plays jazz too. I make hundreds of dollars a year playing jazz. It's yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Uh, do you know the broken social scene? Yeah. Broken social. You do? I know, yeah. I didn't know that. Do you know who they are? I, uh, not uh, until today. Not until uh, uh, did you listen to the song? I did. Too? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, it's an uh, indie rock band from Toronto, Canada, back in the like early 2000s, I'd say. They're still around now. Actually, it was amazing. They broke up, and they got back together, and then they played the Ponte Vigia concert. Yeah, hall. so we went a few it's years ago, best day right? of my life, seriously. But anyways, uh, that came out. Or at least I discovered them when I was like maybe like ninth or tenth grade in high school, and I just I loved uh, I loved them. They're like probably my favorite like indie indie rock band of, of that era. They're like the original, but uh, that song is my favorite only because of that that stupid guitar riff. I know it's not difficult at all, but I, every time it comes on, I'm just like yes, every single time. Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing about. Uh, I can't think of his last name. His name, first name is Kevin. Uh, he writes all the music, and then he hires his friends to like uh, to play with them. And he's just like really into producing his own music. But um, he has gone on record in many interviews saying that he the lyrics that he writes are supposed to be abstract, and it's just supposed to make you feel some way. They don't mean anything. So mm-hmm. now I'm gonna hand it off to you. I have 
You're already smiling about. It. I'm just waiting for I was, it to get I, destroyed. I just like I, I can just feel it because I like I love this song and I love this band so much. So I, I'm just waiting. I'm just feeling like I'm getting fed to the sharks already. No, no, no. Just going to town about awesome jazz players. I'm like you want me to do rock band? Canada's pretty good. Uh, um, no, <laughs> I, I'm. Yeah, I, I think it's hilarious. Your level of of anticipation is just. Uh, what's, I just. I can't what's cracking it. me up. Well. Um, <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't I, do jazz. I don't know what to tell you, boys. I'm curious. Well, that's, again, your own barrier, right? We just talked about that. Oh, that's but, true. Um, uh, I'm curious as to your take on the song before I go into mine. So, like, first, I, I, I have a couple questions. Like, when did the song come out? Uh, I want to say that was off the, uh, the their first album or second album. I think that was, like, 2001. Okay. Boys, if you can look it up real quick, that'd be great. Uh, 2001, 2003. So, like, my understanding is, like, are, are we supposed to determine would this, like, make the billboard? Well, well, well yeah, well, we come to t- that determination after we do our reviews. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's he, more just at the moment, like, what do you think of the team? I don't get to vote on it because I already love it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, like, so obviously you're going to want to put yeah, it on there. It's, it's, it's raw and it's very real and people are playing real instruments, which I love, man. I mean, you call me crazy. But, um, you know, uh, it, it, didn't really, it didn't really punch me in the soul, i got to be honest. Well, I, um, but... Yeah. But to, to, to what you said, I mean, you know, amazing and, 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 and moving doesn't always have to be difficult and complex, you know. Exactly. exactly. That's all my music. It rarely ever is, it is totally. d- despite all my, uh, you know, sort of jazz tendencies, you know. So that's a good. That's kind of a good band name for jazz your tendencies. project, Jazz no. Tendencies. <laughs> Re- recovering Jazz Major. <laughs> we have meetings and everything. <laughs> um, All right, Tony, what you got? So I'm going to also preface this by saying that... Let me have a drink first. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying that I agree with both of you guys that something that for sure doesn't have to be complex or difficult to play physically to be captivating or to... Um, you know, inspire some kind of emotion. Um, I don't know why you think that that's my my position on music. That's but, all your music um, that you the like, fuck, Anton. Yeah, just, why you got to be so flashy? Because I fucking these rivers run deep, <laughs> bro. I'm a real I'm a real emotional guy, and that's why I like emotional style music. That's how I it makes you feel. Literally, grew up on blues, bro. It doesn't get more emotional than that. Which you say is soulless music, which is what? Has, which is weird. How did I ever? That. Why would I ever say that? He literally told me Derek Trucks and Steve Ray Vaughan sound exactly the same. He can't tell the difference. Let's the unpack that this. was a yeah. joke you dumb well, this is no longer about me everybody let's yeah. let's, 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 let's hear. Uh, yeah we have a lot of a lot of things going on here uh here's here's what i will say though um, i can't i can't stand the song wow absolutely hated listening well if to you it. if you don't if you don't like that song then you're gonna hate everything else they make because it sounds why don't why didn't you like it all right so I'll, we can d- dive in a little bit um it has nothing to do with the complexity of the music as much as just it's so repetitive and boring but jimmy Does cliff it, that's that gotcha it's a great song oh my god they <laughs> it's a great song um it just it does like the, his voice doesn't like take you anywhere. It's just so like monotone and droning. Yeah, he's not a very good singer, no. Which is okay. Like, like you don't have he's to. He's just not. It's just straight <laughs> up. He's not. He's not the best. He's not the best. I'm Are you just okay saying. Back there, baby. <laughs> he just, he's, he's just not the best singer, no. <laughs> 
Billy's got the production crew cracking up over but here. It's, raw. It's, well. indie, it's indie rock, dude. It's not supposed to be about that. It's fine. Uh, the, <laughs> I thought the performances were, uh, you put it very nicely, raw. Yeah, they're in right? uh, in a basement. Yeah, for yeah, sure. A basement rock. Um, and I don't know. Like it's like it's it just the entire song just sounded droning to me. Like didn't didn't go anywhere. What, what do you feel about that that guitar solo part? It's fine. Like it, it's it. it is didn't it do is it hard on me. guitar? It doesn't really matter whether or not. It's I just hard on I'm just curious if it's not. I mean, <laughs> it's not dif- a difficult guitar part. It's to play. so it's not. No. Do you think if it was more difficult, you'd like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get at here. I know what you're trying oh, to get right, at. that's right, New Camry. That's what I'm trying to get at. He only likes music that's uh, difficult, and here. that's it. <laughs> He'll say that, oh, it's really, really simple and everything like that, and that's why you like it, but no. I, I literally said you one of my favorite songs of all time was The Harder They Come, which is like the simplest song to play. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> that song was, oof. Man. Uh, that's a great song. You just don't like, he doesn't like reggae music either. It's not true. Mm-hmm. I'm saying. Um, so yeah, my vote is that it for sure doesn't get on the playlist. Damn. It's also like, it sounds almost like the other song that you recommended Which one? Uh, two weeks ago. What was that? The, uh, what's it? Say what's, anything. Yeah. But like a much more what? annoying and raw version of that. Mm. Because that song, the say anything song was, that's like was a emo. great performance. Yeah. That's like emo music. Great performance. Pop, very well pop, produced. Pop. Yeah. Very well produced. And, and I enjoyed that experience. The yeah. songs went somewhere. Yeah. But uh, this one was like the same genre of music, but just like they didn't quite get that good at it. Lo-fi, shoegaze, and indie rock. Not yeah. into it. Not into it at okay. all. Let right. me add some padding there. I think it probably would have made top 100 songs to come out of Seattle in 1992. Oh, I see what you're saying. I, I get what you're trying to that say. That is yeah. true, yeah. It's not grunge, though. It's kind of grungy. Meh. It's like It sounds like like post-grunge. It's like grunge 10 years after it was grunge. Right. Four. 1994, yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, November you know got, 1994. <laughs> you know who's got a similar vibe to that that sounds much better, though, is uh, Silver Sun Pickups. You know I, actually, I like that one song that they have, uh, the the Lazy Eye, whatever it's called. Is that them, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't I know the song. I, Do you know I, those guys? No. They're, like they're kind of in that, in that vein, eyes. but they sound much oh, better. I saw them, <laughs> too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, yeah, my vote is that it doesn't make the the cut. Um, Billy would like it to be on there. Of course. Taylor, we're we're at a we're at a draw here. What do you think, uh, bud? I'm a little little uh, little closer to Anton's side of the aisle than Billy's. Of course you are. Sweet. There we go. So <sighs> I don't think anybody in this room would have voted for that song, but and I wanted to put it out there so right. you can let people know that your mu- that your taste in music sucks. No, my taste in music is cool. Oh, it's cool. Okay. It's fucking cool music. All right. Anyways. <laughs> It is, straight up. It's the coolest fucking shit ever, but whatever. Um, okay, so back to the fun stuff. <laughs> so I, I want to dive back into the deep end on this jazz project that you're working on because okay. you released a promo video for it. Um, and I'm curious, are you doing like a full documentary, like documenting the process, or is it just like a promotional video that you did? That was just a promo to, to kind of hook people. Um uh, again, John Mike uh, did all the cinematography, took all the footage while we were in the studio, and then uh, came to my place, got all the lighting all pretty and everything, and uh, you know, asked me a few questions. But that was just to kind of hook people in, get people's attention. And and the idea, kind of in, in addition to this, is that you know I've I've done my best to sort of like stray as far away from being pegged as a jazz player as I can because like I I 
I don't know why, man. I just don't like it. I, we were talking about like latent PTSD from being a jazz major, the, you know, in a conservatory and that atmosphere, just because it can be traumatizing depending on your experiences there, uh, which maybe we can go into the next time I come back, but because um, <laughs> there's not enough time. But, um, but, uh, but <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think just over the years and as I get older, I, I think the less and less I really care about how people categorize what I play is like, you know, what I play is, I, you know, I, I, I like music that I like, you know, and if people want to peg me as a jazz musician, then fuck it. Let me, let me make a jazz record, you know. I'll be a jazz musician for you guys. And then, so let me play all my bebop licks that I practiced in all keys for eight hours a day when I was 19 years old. You know, the honesty so. comes out now. Cause so I, I don't know, man. I, you know, but again, I mean, what I, what I play the majority, I, I really like on my, on my steady gig at the Ritz, like I'll only play a standard if somebody asks for it. You yeah. Know? And, and I mean, I, I would love to do that, you know, uh, voluntarily, but I've, I've gotten so used to playing, you know, everything from, shoot i don't know motown to, to bruno mars to you know so stuff that people recognize and fits in the other 99 percent of what sells in today's musical yeah that tlc cover um, was awesome that's great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> i was like i was like that one no he's not he the whole thing he did it was awesome oh yeah that one at least causes you know gives pause when people are eating their filet mignons and yeah do i know that song yeah also, Bohemian Rhapsody, come on. Yeah. Of course, yeah. I know we talked about that last time you were on here, but yeah. come on. It's yeah. so good. I was waiting the whole time listening to that day. I was like, they're going to start singing. They're going to start singing. They yeah. did. And I mean, that one's, I mean, it's a listening room environment. And yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of struggling. It's like, should I encourage this? Because this is going to be on the, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, let's, why not? You know? It's your fucking I mean, show, bro. Cool. You run it. Yeah. Yeah. You, tell, you, so. you tell them what you want to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and they sounded fine. They sang a lot better than I could have. So you know, it's fine with me. <laughs> um, so, it seems like that's what I was going to say. Sorry, I had a bit of a brain fart for a second. But I was re- I was listening to this interview one time with Larry Carlton and uh, one of my all time favorites. He's good. <laughs> He's good at the guitar. That, there's yeah, there's, there really isn't a word in the English language that could that properly describes his level of mastery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, I was listening to an interview with him, and it's funny, man. Like from someone who doesn't come from the jazz world, you listen to somebody like that and you're like, okay, well, he's uh, obviously has a background in jazz. And then you listen to him who has that background, but he's like, th- this guy interviewed him and, and he was saying, so are you going to do like a bebop record? Because you have like these, these smooth jazz kind of things and you have like these bluesy stuff, these things, the uh, bluesy things, are you going to do like a bebop record? And Larry Carlton's response was, well, you have to really live in that world if you want to maintain that kind of, uh, that if you want to be able to maintain that 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 sustainability with that style, you know. So, and I thought that was an interesting response because in my in my mind, I'm like, well, of course you could play bebop, like you're Larry Carlton, you know. But then the more you listen to his stuff, you're like, okay, well, I see where I see what you're saying. Like, it's not the world that you live in anymore. I find it curious because you have you just gave a similar response where it's like, where it's I've been doing this thing because this is where kind of. I live right now. And if you right. want to do the jazz thing, and so you kind of have to live in that world. And you don't, do you not identify as a jazz musician anymore? So, um, I, you know, 
I, I think uh, the jazz accent is kind of inescapable, you know? And I mean, when people see me playing this guitar, it looks like jazz, you know? And yeah. So, I mean, there's that. And I think a lot of the time, whenever any anybody hears a clean tone coming from a guitar, especially with the stuff that I play, even if I'm just playing bar chords or open open voicings, you know, in any of my arrangements, it it probably still comes across as like sort of having a jazz type of sound to it. That being said... Um, you know, ever since the jazz jam started at the Blue Jay and, you know, all these jams are happening around town, you know, I mean, when I get off work at the Ritz, I, I you know, most most nights, most chances that I get, I go and, and get to hang out with, you know, all, all my fellow jazz nerds and, and just, you know, get get to get back in touch with that again and, and, and relive those those years. And that's, that's really... Uh, you know, for better or worse, you know, despite my, uh, my, my, my identity crisis with that whole thing, <laughs> like that's, uh, that's really where, where my heart is, is, is with that music. So, yeah, I was going to say, is, how important is it to you to maintain that relationship with the style? Um, I think it's becoming less and less important and more and more unavoidable, if that makes any sense. You yeah. Know, it's, it's, it's really just kind of a part of me. You know, because I spent so many years and so much, uh, so many hours, uh, just just implementing that into my ears and into my into my style. That it's, uh, you know, it would take a lot to completely uproot that from from what I do. Totally, man. You know? I've, I'm going through a similar uh, crisis as well because I work pretty hard on trying to. Uh, incorporate a lot of the jazz stuff into my playing, but it's not the world that I come from. Right. Um, so what I find, like when I pick up my guitar, not to practice, but like when I'm just picking it up to like kind of mess around and noodle a little bit, that's not what comes out. But right. what, what comes out is like the blues stuff, and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm really and I'm like thinking about like you know how am I getting this inflection on this note? Like where am I starting? Am I starting up here and bending it back down, or am I going to start down here and bend it up? Like right. you know, like what's do I do it over the course of like over the time of like a quarter note or or a dotted quarter note or or how am I feeling this you know is it a triplet feel like and that's where I, I start to I find myself going and for so long I was like reluctant because you have like this stigma in your head about blues musicians where it's just like all they care about is playing the blues and you're like there's a whole world out there you know yeah but yeah I've kind of I'm getting to a point now where it's kind of like I'm, I'm accepting be, uh, that that genre because it it is very. Uh, it's an authentic style that that needs to be done justice when in its authenticity. I think, you know, absolutely. absolutely. And it's not so easy to cop, you know. No. Uh, so I don't know. To me, it's like it's it's just a part. It's become part of my voice. And as much as I want to incorporate the other stuff, I can do that. Um, but I'm never going to lose that that voice, that that accent. I like the, the word you use. That accent, you know. And and nor should you, because that's a that's a pretty damn good accent to have, man. If you ask me, I would you say know? so, man. I mean, yeah. it, it's it. I don't think that you can get through any style of music in in Western music, anyways, without that's it. That's having exactly what I was thinking. That you know, so jazz, yeah, man. especially, man. Totally, you know? so. totally, man. Totally. I mean, so my favorite my favorite jazz guitarists or musicians in general all have that inflection. No, Wes Montgomery, Grant Green. Wes is always going to be my favorite. Man. I mean, like, nobody ha- like can cop that phrasing, man. He's, no. like, the best. No. <laughs> it's, like, it's insane. I tried to learn, uh, at, was it midnight, midnight? Around uh, midnight? Yeah, man. I, I got, like, 
one or two bars in, and I was like, this isn't happening. Man. I don't know how you feel time like that, but I can't do that. <laughs> he didn't even start playing guitar until he was in his 20s. I know. I know. He worked at a factory, right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he, like, uses, he plays like this. He had it's, a crazy double-jointed thumb, man. Yep. And, uh, and the reason he never used to pick is because, and the reason he titled the song Full House is because he was a grandfather by the time he was in his 40s. He didn't want to wake anybody up in his house, so he practiced real quiet with Oh, his my thumb. God. And uh, yeah, lots of lots of stories I've heard over the over the years. Some of which are actually true. Yeah, but, some um, of which. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story, right? That's <laughs> very true, especially in show business. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, he also like only uses like three fingers. These three mainly. Yep. Yeah, I think I think there there have been some uh, so some people who busted him using his pinky every once in a while. But ah, um, the but, rare sighting yeah, of Wes using sighting. a pinky, you know, you know. <laughs> It's wild, man. So yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. You can't really escape the blues, man. You can't. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's what gives music feeling to me. I agree. I agree completely. Um, man, I had another question. I just completely I lost it. How do you feel about Vince Guaraldi? I love him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, who's, I mean, he's that? a part of everybody's childhood. Uh, it's peanuts. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Christmas that, time is here. Know. Linus and Lucy. You know, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. That's. That's my river. Mm-hmm. That's your river. That's the yeah. That <laughs> fucking creek I'm living in. <laughs> That's as far as I go with jazz. Actually, I really like Dave Brubeck a lot. Yeah, that Take Five album. I think I listen to that like you know a lot. Well, uh, speaking of the blues, man. I mean, when Duke Ellington first heard uh, Dave Brubeck, he, all he heard was a recording of him. Mm-hmm. Didn't know if he was a black guy or a white guy, but he said, and this was back, I mean, obviously, you know, race was a, was a really hot button issue and it just always is in music, but um, but back then, especially, you know, before the civil rights music uh, movement and everything, I mean, what Duke said when he heard Brubeck's plan, he said, that man plays it where the blues is born. And I mean, that's amazing. If that isn't an endorsement coming from Duke oh, Ellington, man, totally, you know, man. like totally. So man. and and yeah, I mean, he had Brubeck had that crazy uh, swimming accident, which forced him to change his technique into playing those block chords. I didn't know that. Yeah. When did that happen? He was young. I think it was when he was in the army or something. So that's why he plays that way. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. No kidding. I didn't know that. You got to break your hands to play that. He way. didn't write take five either. No, Paul no, Desmond no. did. I'm sure he, just that album. Or yeah, yeah, no, Time Out was, uh, I, yeah, that's, that's, that would probably be in my top three of all, uh, like, it, for, for introducing people to jazz, it would be A Love Supreme, Kind of Blue, and Time Out. Those would probably be my top three. Those are literally the three, the three that I got introduced to yeah. when I first started listening to jazz. <laughs> I've heard so one of like, them, so. Yeah. Love Supreme's good. I, I don't think you're going to like it too much. Why is that? Coltrane takes it some weird places, and okay. you don't like that kind of stuff. Yeah, well. That's the stuff uh it's like coltrane's got a similar thing I, I love coltrane but he's got a similar thing with that that um that mingus has too where like they get like very out there mm-hmm. to the point where it's almost like if you're not like for someone like, i i can't i can listen to mingus for like maybe like one or two tunes and i'm like i'm done it gets a little exhausting for me yeah how do you feel man well to go back to Coltrane, man, I mean, the first time I heard of Love Supreme, I didn't stop listening to that album for the following two or three weeks. That was religious for me. That was like, that changed me. And I was 17 years old and smoking a lot of weed. And, you know, so, you know, it was it was just, it lived in in my ears. But uh, Mingus, I, you know, I, I got to say, I have not listened to as much Mingus as most like jazz musicians and jazz heads have. But, um, 
I've probably listened to more of the Mingus Big Band than uh, than his original recordings. Don't shoot me, all you you know, two or three jazz fans out there. I'll take the bullet right now. I but, can't stand um, the shit. <laughs> but no, uh, if you listen to the Mingus Big Band, uh, their version of a song called Monin. Yeah, yeah, opens it's up with Barry Sax, yeah. man. That's just like just kicks you right in the gut, man. It's just like that's that's what a Barry Sax should sound should sound like to me. Yeah, man. I mean, I would definitely agree that that his the interpretations of his songs mm-hmm. are better than. The- well, I'll say, man, when uh, they actually came to UNF in two thousand eight, um, obviously long after Ming has passed, but um, just uh, it's almost like I don't know, man. If I don't want to say like, a, well, I don't know if Duke Ellington like. I don't want to say like Duke Ellington on drugs because that's like disrespectful, but like, you know, Duke Ellington, like we're, we're more abstract, you know, and more yeah. playful. Yeah. You know, and more mischievous. Yeah. You know, I, I can see that. For you know sure. what I mean? Like yeah. people just shouting and screaming and just like, but I mean, and, and also all, all the politically charged stuff that this behind this music too, man, was just like so powerful and revolutionary at the time. A lot of people hadn't really heard stuff like that before. Totally. And Mingus gave zero fucks. He would punch out his bandmates on stage for playing the wrong chord. I know, you man. Know? So. You hear him on the recordings too. He'll be yelling at people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you could like hear him punching. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't I like, doubt. What? I wouldn't doubt that there's a recording <laughs> out there of him, of, of, of him knocking someone out. But like, yeah. You hear him like in the sessions. That's like, fucking be... jazz right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's some deep cuts, man. It is. Uh, what was his, what was his deal? He's just, a, he, he's just an artist, man. You know, he's just like a fucking wild artist. Mm-hmm. It's just like I come, that, that level of talent and that level of, like, you're tapping into something that most people can't deal with, including yeah. yourself. That's why you act like that, you know? That sounds crazy, man. Um, not all genius is, is uh, <laughs> containable. totally man totally um i I really love the album that uh jocko did with joni mitchell and and pat metheny shadows and light yes Mm -hmm. that's what turned me on to mingus Mm -hmm. and then i bought a mingus record after that and was like i'm gonna go back to shadows and light because this is much more palatable Palatable, for me yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um that but that album also really turned me on to pat metheny because to, for me, Pat Metheny was one of those really heady players. Yeah. And I always kind of equated him. No offense to anybody who likes Pat Martino. I like Pat Martino too. But like, I always equated him to that kind of a jazz player that's just very, you know, we're playing the changes and we're going to step out, but we're we're hitting the changes. Yeah. Um, and it's all just 16th note runs and doing the thing. And it's impressive, but doesn't quite hit me. I turned, I listened to that record and I was like, Pat Metheny changed my whole idea of what comping meant, you know? And then I started digging in. I discovered, like, a bunch of Pat, like, a, a lot of other Pat Metheny stuff, and I was like, holy fuck, this guy's got an incredible voice. I mean, on, on the guitar, he's got an incredible voice, you know? He's, he's phrasing another guy. Rare, rare genius yeah. of music just overall, man. I mean, and he's... I would I would equate the breadth of his work to, some, to like, the Beatles. I mean, you know, you could you could introduce somebody to the Beatles with yesterday or you could introduce somebody to the Beatles with a day in the life or strawberry fields and it'd be two totally different types of music that's you know? so true man and like with Matheny you could introduce him to bright size life or you could introduce him to still life talking right with the with the you know it's like world music with like wordless vocals in the background and like all sorts of crazy percussion and just yeah just beautiful man beautiful shit you know who's doing a really good job of that now is um Carlos Santana <laughs> 
You keep throwing out the references you get there, bud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep trying to hang on to this conversation for dear life. I get it. Um, I just, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm just nodding. When, I, when I, well, I'm assimilating to what you're doing, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But his older stuff, though. That's what I should be saying. But his older stuff's. Mm. Yeah. So here's a name you might recognize <laughs> is uh, Snarky Puppy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so there's they're a big really debate good. about Snarky Puppy also in the jazz world because it's like they're not really jazz. Well, not that they're not jazz, but it's like the idea that like because okay, they got some pop awareness, right? And they won Grammys and stuff like that. And oh, I, th- yeah. I think a lot of uh, um, more traditional fusion people are like, well, you know, they're not doing anything groundbreaking. You, you can just listen to uh, God damn it, man! I'm drawing. Like, Charlie Brown, Joe's all in all, and, and Jocko, and oh, well, weather sorry, report, sorry. Jesus Christ! Oh yeah, the weather, weather report. Yeah. yeah, so <laughs> no, I know them. Yeah, so um, Jocko, that's what. That's what. <laughs> 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 Count them. <laughs> that's what a lot of uh, like the more traditional fusion guys would say. It's like, well, they're not doing anything groundbreaking. I don't, I don't get why they're getting all this notoriety. You just yeah. listen to weather report, and it's like. Yeah, you could, but you can also listen to Snarky Puppy. You know, <laughs> shut the fuck up, man. Enjoy your little thirty dollar, you know, gig playing the yeah, exactly. reharmonized all the things you are for, yeah. you know, for your other, you know, for guys your three jazz their friends to come out. in jazz, you yeah. know. Yeah, man, it's it's wild to me, but but talking I'm, about like the the the. Uh, yeah, I, I go ahead, please. <laughs> I want to. I want to try and be as positive as I can. I love Snarky Puppy, man. I absolutely love them, and they're amazing. I mean, when when that version of something with Layla dropped, Layla Hathaway, man, she sings. Oh my god, Multiphonics, and the, yeah, like Un- the whole band just loses their mind. It's just like, unreal. Yeah, I still, bro. and then she'll tell. I mean, every time that comes on, I just. I lose my mind every time. I listen to it a dozen times, man, and every time I just I can't I can't sit still. Man. Well, because it's it's, it's 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 such a it's such a a feat of of um of like almost like superhuman yes. ability yep. that you can't believe that that's what you're hearing in the moment. So when when it's gone, you forget how good it was, <laughs> and like because you can't actually replicate it in your brain because that level of of human doesn't actually exist in your brain, and then you hear it again, you're like. This is not real. It's like hearing it for the first time again. Every know? time. It's amazing. And I mean, they 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 just have such a obviously, you know, there there's no song out there that's for everybody, but like to me, like that arrangement. And uh there's another one off of uh We Like It Here. You know, everybody goes nuts over Lingus and Corey Henry's key- keyboard solo on that. It's great. Genius. Totally. But, uh there's one called Outlier that I absolutely mm-hmm. love. Bob Reynolds. Jacksonville native oh, DA. So good, man. Uh, plays just a brilliant solo on. But like they just throw in these nice little snippets of like that drunk drumming, you know, and all that kind of shit that just I, I can't get enough of that, man. Love and that it's stuff. It's so man. tight. And it's just, you know, you can just feel just the collective just just love for for everything that they're they're doing there, man. And oh, totally. They don't man. take themselves too seriously either. You can hear that in the music, but you can also hear just the how intense and how serious they are about what they do at the same time. It's, know? it's amazing to see that many musicians they're like just physically that many musicians yep. that are that talented that all know how to be so restrained. Yeah. Like, you know, hold that much restraint. <laughs> like you listen to a snarky puppy song 
you don't know if those guys are capable of doing more than that because they do that part so well. Mm-hmm. And like I've, I've transcribed like bass, bass parts on some of that stuff, guitar parts, horn parts, as somebody who's like not trained because that's how obtainable it all is. Yep. But you also know those guys can just do anything, and they do sometimes. I heard a story which, again, true or not, it's a great story. Uh, <laughs> Bob Reynolds, when he got called to do that that album, we like it here. All he did was listen to the parts on the plane ride over, and he memorized it all. <laughs> I believe that, though. You know, like some people you know, got perfect pitch, and it's just like it's just there forever. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was John Mayer's sax player for years. Which I think John Mayer was a hot topic last time I was. No. Here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, John Mayer is always a hot topic topic in my book. Uh, you're gonna love my unpopular opinion today. Oh, but we're not we're not there yet. I um, can't wait. I've been I've been storing one. Oh, nice! Love it. Love it. Um, So, uh, do you know the song? Excuse me, uh, Binky from Snarky Puppy. Snarky Puppy. Pretty sure it's on Family Dinner. Um, It's uh, so I I promise you I've heard it. I just yeah you've heard it. Recall it off the top of my head. It's got this really cool like seven kind of baseline. Okay, it's cool. But anyways, um, there's this part where it kind of. Uh, drops out to like almost nothing. It's like you can barely just hear like Sput kind of holding it down. Okay, and then slowly you start to hear this melody on the uh, on the uh, the synth. Let me cue this up while you're talking. I'm I'm, I'm listening. I'm oh, just yeah. gonna, I want to listen to this on the way home, bro. Yeah. It's like it, this melody starts to play, and you're just like, is that like the most beautiful melody that's ever been played in the world uh, in the history of human beings? And then before you know it, like. Then yes, already I can just still love it. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then before you know it, the horns start to slowly come behind it, and they are just sitting on this melody for like a solid three or four minutes. Repeat, but it keeps building and keeps building, mm-hmm. and um, it inspired me to, to 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 write something in a similar fashion. That's how like in awe I was. I was like, I have to do that. Yeah, you know. Um, and yeah, man, it's like, and then it just kind of get goes away, and then it breaks for a minute, and then Sput comes in with like this very like broken kind of. It's like you know when I don't know like how to describe it exactly, but you know like when they when you they're giving it's like a neo soul kind of thing like when, drum when they're drumming, yeah, dr- Where, is that like, like the okay. hat and the snare just just the flaming kind of thing. Other. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like they're they're accenting like like. A part of the triplet, just slightly behind or slightly ahead of the beat, exactly. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. and still giving that kind of like, is this a rock groove or is this like a fucking what's <laughs> happening? You know, like that 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 was the first time I ever heard something like that. I love that shit, and man. I was like, Those, th- I I don't know if it goes back any further, but to my knowledge, D'Angelo kind of pioneered that in 2000. Oh yeah, I don't I don't yeah. doubt that. Yeah, D'Angelo and then like Dillo with his beats and that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah. like yeah. the whole like that whole neo like the, like the birth of neo soul mm-hmm. basically. I mean, talk about like can we talk about Questlove for a second because that man is probably the most important person in modern uh, Western music. I would say. You think you really did that much? I'm not like trying to be an asshole. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like you, like, like first off of the roots, just I mean, alone the talent that 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 that, that brought to the table. But then you're talking like um, you're talking about. Uh, Lauren Hill, you're talking about um, Chelsea would kill me right now. That's all right. Probably brain farting. That'd be fine. Um, <laughs> Chris, uh, 
Erica Badu, Jesus Christ. That's what, yeah. I mean, like everybody coming out of the Northeast at that time in, in like the hip hop. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. I didn't know that. They, so the Roots had a jam session going on at their place in Philly and they would in, invite people to come through and just be like, it'd just be a jam. And yeah. then it got to the point where they were starting to get so established that people would go there just to kind of get seen by the Roots and people were get like Erica Badu came out of there with a, with a, with a record deal. You know, people were going there to get that kind of thing. They, I mean, uh, D'Angelo came out of that. Like, like that entire, they birthed that entire movement. That was all Quest, Love, and the Roots, you know? That's cool, man. Not to mention what they did. Like, they, like, moved to England to, like, escape some kind of deal that they had here. What? So, yeah. I didn't know Chris probably that. knows more about it than I do. Because he listened to it on, on the Broken Record podcast with uh, Rick Rubin. They talk about it. It's fucking hilarious. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, like, just the, the game changers across the board, you know? I mean, I remember when Voodoo dropped, and obviously the video for Untitled, like, all the ladies went nuts over it and everything. And I was like, okay, it's whatever. He's singing, like, some soulful stuff. And then, like, you know, once I really started getting deeper into, you know, studying the music that I was studying and, and then going back and really sitting down and listening to that record, I was like, what the fuck did they do to the quarter note? Like, how did they, like, they just turned this shit inside out and reinvented what the pulse really can can be, you know? Totally. Like the way that Pino's, like, ahead, or, yeah, the way that Pino's ahead and uh, and Quest is behind. And it creates this elasticity. Tension, man, to, yeah. You know, that's just like, damn, like, you can't sit still listening to it, man. It's yeah. impossible. Totally, man. It took me a while. I will admit, it took me a while to get into D'Angelo. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when I was like, when I was a kid, like that, like that, what was that song that came out where he's like naked? Yeah, like, Untitled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Feel, yeah. So that's what I was like in elementary school when that came out, I think. And I was um, into like only the Beatles. That was just the Beatles. That was it for me. It's Elvis Presley. the place to be in elementary school, man. <laughs> yeah. And then I heard that and I was like, I don't like this at all. And then as I got older, I, I started I started digging more into that stuff and I was like, Holy shit, this is like amazing. It, you know? It was revolutionary at the time, man. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it either. You know, I was in high school. I just aged myself, but yeah. <laughs> That's how it always works though, right? Yeah. Like I mean, you never realize like the revolution when it's like happening sort of, sort of deal. Especially I'm usually a pretty, I'm usually pretty late to the to the bandwagons, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. So. <laughs> Taylor's like walking in at the end of the party. He's like, "I just got here, guys." Have you guys heard of Bruno Mars? Holy <laughs> yeah. shit! Oh yeah, man. <laughs> I, we had to learn that one song uh, for. Oh no, we had to just learn two. Was it Twenty Four Carat and then and Treasure? No, 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 no. Also, that's, yeah, that's Treasure, but also the the funk one, the uh, Uptown Funk, Uptown Funk. Yeah, I'm we had so to learn the other ones today. too. The, uh, uh, Make me feel like something heaven. Locked yeah. out of heaven. Locked yeah, out, locked out yeah. of heaven. I actually gained, I gained, I gained a new respect for the songs after that. It's all about production. I mean, like it's it as far as like arrangements go, it's pretty straightforward. But mm-hmm. just the production value. He also had it. like one of the best Super Bowl performances I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Well, I like I know that. no one's gonna be Prince. Don't get me wrong. But like he fucking like just danced his ass off and then had like a fucking drum solo. It was really cool. He checks off all the marks to me, man. Yeah. And I mean, I think especially with Silk Sonic and 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 most of the cuts off with Twenty Four Care Magic, like there's enough harmonic shit going on to make my jazz sensibilities sort of like perk up and be like, okay, this is not just pop music, man. This is like, there's some heavy shit going on behind the scenes here. Totally. And there's definitely, obviously enough pop appeal considering his like stacks of Grammys that he's gotten up to this point. He's a modern day Michael Jackson. Without the kid diddling, you know? Whoops. (laughs) Anyways. um, Yeah. uh, 
Um, he also did this. What was the show he he was in very briefly? He was like he was playing piano in a in like a bar or something, and somebody discovered him. And he just like sings like an, it's just an acoustic thing, just him, no microphone, and the piano, and he just nails it. He's got he's just got that it factor, man. Yeah, totally. Short King, he's amazing. Short King, short yeah, king. He's, 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 he's a short, short guy. King. He's a short yeah. guy. Uh, Small stature. I do, uh, speaking of the Super Bowl performance, how what excited up? are you about the musicians dissing the Super Bowl shit, show? Dude. Yeah, no, it, it looks amazing. I mean, I, I love that they they got Kendrick in with all the uh, all the old school, you know, like Snoop and Dre and Mary J. Blige and M. Like, I, I just hope it's good, man. You know, I hope I mean? so too. I hope so too. Like, you know, like there's they, a lot. They've of talent. been watching it for the past like five years. It's man. just the thing is, is, like, there's a lot of talent on that stage and. Each of those people deserve their own individual spotlight. That's, that's what they've so been they, doing. They they've been like just like putting as many as they can on the stage, and you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. You try and cram. You're trying to cram too much greatness into one thing, and yeah. it just it just waters down the whole experience. I feel like now. See, like last year, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm alone on this. Uh, at least out of the three of us right here, like the weekend, so bad. He made. Sorry, this uh, whatever. I'll let you finish. No, no, no. I was just saying. Like, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was like agreeing with you, but I guess we're no, not you agreeing. Weren't. No, you, you weren't. weren't. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it, man, they made lemonade, right? I feel like they really did, man. With COVID, you know, I mean, put on a Super Bowl halftime show the weekend. You know, I mean, anybody under the age of 25 obviously knew who he was, you know. But anybody like 30 and above was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And I don't know, man. I, I'm like. I've never done a Super Bowl halftime show before, right? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, I, I, I've never been in that big of a spotlight yet. Uh, maybe one day, but I uh, maybe I'm just like a big fucking bleeding heart empath, whatever. It's like, you know what? He fucking did a better job than any of you fucking people making your Facebook posts. Oh, yeah. Could, could oh, have, totally. Know? Just totally. like shut up, play your bar gigs, and like yeah, I mean, no, I do bar gigs too. But um, like you know what I mean, like yeah, just just deal with it. I mean, it's okay to be like I didn't care for that, you know. But it, say that and move on. You don't need to go on a rant about it. Like you know, fucking go home and practice if you don't like it. You I play sh- next year. I, yeah, you know right. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, but that's that. No, I'm not sorry. That's just I'm how just, I feel about it. I, obviously, like I'm not going to play tell the him, bro. Super Bowl halftime show. But I don't know which camera I'm pointing at, but we're just we're which just yeah, we're that just, one right there. You got the big camcorder. <laughs> yeah, we're just you're comparing it to the other ones. I'm fucking out. You know what I mean? Let's fucking cancel this interview. I'll talk about jazz for a little bit. There wasn't enough letters. When they came up with the word jazz, it was like the bottom of the bag of the Scrabble when they came up with that. Why is it called jazz like that? Why is there two Zs? And then what There's that varying uh, opin- uh, opinions about that, actually. I think we got the guy who can tell us right now, actually. Why, why well, one, one that I heard that, uh, I don't know, the one that I remember for whatever reason is it's like slang for orgasm. Oh. No, it's jizz. <laughs> Pretty sure. Sorry. Are we allowed to say that? All right. Sorry. I didn't hear a beep. Did yeah. you guys hear a beep? Hang oh, on. No. Let's try it again. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the uh, I'm, I actually am kind of excited about it. Uh, it's it's going to be, what, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, 
Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige. Who else? That's all I know. I think that's that's all that I'm aware of. There was another female artist, too, that's going to be there. I can't remember who it is now. Lady Gaga? No. Let's bring her back. She did a good one, though. That was a good one. I didn't watch it. I haven't watched any of the halftime shows, to be honest with you. So when you're talking about The weekend, I I don't even know what you're talking about right now. (laughs) I know who that is, obviously, but I I, I didn't watch it. Well, now you know how I feel (laughs) the whole damn time (laughs) we've been talking. Sorry that you're not uh, a well-rounded musician. Not cool. (laughs) Well-rounded. Fucking all right. Well around it. I get deflated beach ball over there, but I think <laughs> I think oh I'm not talking about the way you look, sorry. Uh, if, it, if anybody this guy does needs, jujitsu, man. I yeah. want well, Muay Thai, but jujitsu is close enough. That's what I said. No, I'm, I'm super stoked about it. Uh yeah. I can't wait to see what they're gonna do. Yeah, I don't know. They haven't shown like it's just all the commercials that are it's just a big Pepsi logo and then it just has the people's <laughs> names on. I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. <laughs> There's no like video promo about it at all. You fucking asshole. They're, I can't stand when you do that. This is how you pour beer. God, bro. it's just I took a beer pouring class at at the Budweiser brewery, and this is how you pour beer. It's just some like paid money to have people teach you. I know. It's the entire, know, it's the entire right? tour of the brewery. It's like a whole thing, but like okay. the beer pouring thing is like a part of it. It's a class and they they tell you like why all those bubbles sticking is such a bad thing. That means you have a dirty glass on your hands, mm. um, Bill. And then, uh, <laughs> um, is that the that's the cup that you just used for to drink water out of yeah. that you just touched last? And then we have okay, uh, so yeah, definitely dirty. Then all this foam, <laughs> all this foam right here. You actually want that because that takes out all the carbon dioxide, and then uh, or all the carbon, whatever it is. I'm ignorant. And then um, uh, it just you don't get so much of that. Uh, God, I'm so that bored. Bloated Keep talking. Stuff. <laughs> you're lulling me to sleep. I was gonna say uh, it's already in a can for you with a it has drinking. Uh, <laughs> it's opening so- on there, and then now you pour it in a glass, and you gotta wait another ten minutes to drink that before the phone goes. That'll down. be good in about. That'll be good in about. Otherwise, you're like Doctor Evil and Austin Powers too. It's about three minutes, so we good. It's called a go. Belgian dip. <laughs> It's good to go about three minutes. You're allowed to laugh as, as much as you want to back there, baby. You yeah. don't have to edit yourself. It's fine. <laughs> we love it. Dude, we can start from the beginning if you want us to. You need us to start over? Let's run this back. Run it back. <laughs> take, take it from the top, boys. Take two. Bottom of the bill. We're not going with the first take on this one. Hi. Oh, boy. Anyways, makes it much more enjoyable drinking I wanna, experience. I want to knock that out of your hands. So <laughs> I've been doing Muay Thai for like a year and a half, so I'm pretty sure you don't want to do that. A year and a half, bud. Does it make you really good at holding classes or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good taste in beer right there. It is a good beer. I myself in the mouth of the mic. That's what I deserve. <laughs> well. Anyways. Yeah, I don't know, man. I never got into the halftime shows. It's it seems to be it's go cool. on YouTube. Just get in a, a YouTube hole, and uh, Michael Jackson's a crazy one. Yeah, I'm sure. I just, it, to, to me, it's more about the production value, which is cool. I just don't really uh, care that much about the live. Prince production was awesome. Value. And it was like raining. It's like fuck, it, we're doing that it. That one, man. That, that one, one really took good. me out after he passed, man. I, I, yeah. I, I looked that one up, and I couldn't fucking get through it with like, uh, you know, with dry that, eyes. Yeah, that yeah. was it. I, his performance at the George Harrison uh, tribute was pretty unreal for me. That that was a I didn't realize that's what a rock star is. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize his level of talent. You know, I was I was younger, so I didn't really fully understand the scope yeah. of him. And I saw him do that, and I was like, 
is this like the best musician that's ever lived or what? It's yeah. bittersweet that it sometimes takes a great artist's death for, for a lot of people to really understand and appreciate the depth and like scope of what they leave behind. Totally. You know, for me, it was Bowie. Don't shoot me. Shoot Anton. Yeah. I, I didn't really until after Black Star dropped, I was like, okay. And I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't, I don't feel bad about that because you know, there's just so much out there since streaming, since iTunes, since Napster, really like everything that's ever been recorded is readily available. Totally. And nobody, I mean, if we combined all of our lifetimes and multiplied that by 10, we still wouldn't have enough time to listen to a 10th of the music that's out there and, and available. So as I was, I just happened to be somewhere else during those years, you know, in my little, my little jazz bubble, my little <laughs> jizz bubble. <laughs> Ooh, that's got a weird image on that one. Great <laughs> band name. <now>. Jizz bubble. <laughs> um, I love David Bowie so much. And I, I was, yeah, I got him right next to you uh, uh, on the candle. Right over there. Oh, what's up? Praise be. Yeah, praise be. <laughs> but I uh, I was very sad when he died. When he, I, Mike, the craziest thing about that that was Black Star is what, what you yep. said, right? And like he knew he was going to die, and, yeah. and, and like, but didn't tell anybody. And that's, the, the whole chest, album man. is about him yep. knowing that he's going to die. And Lazarus, then, man, that one's. It came out. It came out, and then like he knew he, he was like waiting to to release it, and mm-hmm. then what did he, he died two days later. It came out the day he di- or the day after. Or yeah, the like day that. after he, he died. He's like purpose. he's like I'm gonna, yeah. yeah exactly. He's like I'm gonna die. Moves. I'm gonna die soon. As the day after I die, release that record. Hired a bunch of jazz musicians, by the way. I'm sure he did. Well, he <laughs> his 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 uh, piano player from back in the day, uh, from like when he did uh, uh, Ziggy Stardust and all that stuff. The abstract piano player, that super jazzy guy. Fucking amazing. He hired a blues musician once and was like, I'm not doing that again. He's not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> he used Stevie Ray and some of the earlier stuff, and it's just like... Oh, he did? Yeah. Did he really? What? Wow. He did, and it's... On what? Um, Pretty sure Let's Dance. Oh. Uh, you said earlier stuff? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to... I have to. Can we get a fact check on that, Chris? What, what, what was he? He's about to pull it up. He's got it. Oh, because, yeah, there's like that long guitar solo at the end where it's just all instrumental. That's Stevie Ray? Uh, I, I'm not hundred percent, but I know Stevie Ray did w- play guitar on one of his albums. It might've been, I forget what it is, but, um, it just, you know, it, it does, it's not appropriate for that music. It's just, it's very Stevie Ray. Yeah. And I love, don't get me wrong. That was like my, one of my earliest idols as a guitar player, you know, but, um, it doesn't fit everywhere. <laughs> and like the yeah. glam rock of David Bowie doesn't really lend itself to Texas blues. If you right. ask me, yeah. you know? Uh, time and a place for it. Let's dance, right? No yeah. kidding. That's Stevie Ray playing a guitar. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, you, 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 you'll go back and listen to it now and realize, oh, that's totally Stevie. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I was gonna say, I'm having so many brain farts tonight. This is unreal. Don't worry about it. Um, well, I'm not super worried about it, but I just felt like I should mention something. It's a little out of character, so. I can't do the awkward silence, bro. It kills me. I know. I was, I, I was just going to make a joke about character, but whatever. Do it. Oh, how's that beer 10 minutes later? <laughs> well, it's probably about three minutes later, exactly like I said it was going to be, actually. So mm, okay. it's really good. It's nice and not too carbony, and you really taste all the flavors, all the colors, texture of the IPA, the hazy IPA from Sierra Nevada. It just makes me sick. Okay. <laughs> it really does. Um, <laughs> All right, well, I mean, I don't know about you guys. We can head to Unpopular Opinions, though. Sure, sure, sure. Want to do Unpopular Opinions? Yeah, absolutely. Fucking rock it, bro. You want to start it off, Bill? Yeah, I'll start it off. So I uh, uh, couldn't come up with one until we started talking about the Super Bowl halftime stuff. And I don't know why it made me think. I guess we were talking about hip-hop for just a little bit. And I, uh, 
I don't understand what happened with the like Coachella festival and um, the whole 3D hologram of Tupac, but bring that back for the Super Bowl. I don't get it. Mm. Bring put Tupac back. Oh, <laughs> put Tupac back in. No, no, no. He doesn't have to be the Super Bowl. Like I'm just talking in general. Like, why? Well, where did that go? Like everybody hated it. I I loved it. I thought it was amazing, but everybody just thought it was like cheesy as hell. And obviously, it was almost like the Hall of Presidents at Disney World situation because <laughs> you know he's well, he's not dead. Conspiracy theory, but yeah, he I mean, is. If you add up all, if you add it is. all up, bro. Yeah, he's he's dead, but. Uh, I'm just Jamaica somewhere hanging out. Well, you know, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. He's trying to hide from Suge Knight. (laughs) (laughs) I would too. Still, big boy. I'm just like still. Still, yeah, that's a big boy. You know, he played for the Eagles when they were on strike. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) When they were on strike, he's. I'll take that job. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Bro, that dude's like two fifty six three. Yeah, and just has no fucks to give. He was playing defensive line for the Eagles. and that was like early 90s or whatever. Anyways, it's a big boy for like one over like a couple of games. But yeah, I want that is my unpopular opinion is that I want uh, 3D holograms of shows to come back. Okay. Doesn't have to be is dead that, people. It, it could unpopular? be alive people. Is that unpopular though? Um, Do people not want that? Yeah, that I think it's very unpopular because like uh, that one with Tupac came out and everybody was like, what the fuck? Take that off the, don't it's put little, that on the stage. It looks so cheesy and stupid. It's a little, I don't know, maybe not like Tupac. You know what I mean? Like well, maybe, right, and maybe that was what they were like talking dead, about. Maybe not a dead person. That's a little weird. I don't know. They brought out. I just know, like, because it was also CGI too. Yeah. So and they did what Michael Jackson one time too. You I remember they had to like wonder a like where to draw the line because at the end of Kendrick's album, "To Pimp a Butterfly," that last track, you know, he has this fictional conversation with Tupac, where Tupac's voice is all digitally. Uh, created. I don't know if you guys oh, have heard that album. Yeah, I have heard he the album. Yeah. I haven't heard that conversation with them, and it's it's heavy, man. But it's like that's not quite going quite as far as like recreating him in a, like a three D image. But I don't know, man. I I I I missed that whole thing. I didn't. I wasn't even aware that they did that. You didn't see it. You can pull it up it. on YouTube, but it's. At I'll the, have to look at it. it but co- I'll bet that was met with a, a pretty wide spectrum of reactions. Yeah, it was Coachella. <laughs> it was a Snoop Dogg uh, uh, show at okay. like the end, and then it was them like going back and forth talking to him. And it was like very very staged, and it was like just very cheesy. It was so uh, cheesy that people were like, "What are you yeah, doing?" Yeah, I guess the concept is one thing, but how you how it's presented is another thing. Yeah, yeah totally. It's like it's just like going to see a Disney movie or something like that. But yeah. it's bring it back. Let's see. It. Like it, like it didn't get it. It died before it got a chance to get better. I kind of have a similar thing when they do like uh, when they do like features after the fact, right? So it's like if you think of like the Tupac had had there was a song that came out on uh, I forget what the album was called, but it was released after he died, and it was one day at a time. Was a song with Eminem. And like a bunch of other guys from the Outlaws, and it's like, but Eminem wasn't really an established artist at the time that Tupac was, you know, around. Like he was just kind of, he wouldn't have done a track with Tupac. Let's put it that way, right? And like you hear that, I'm pretty sure Eminem did that. It sounds like I'm a huge Eminem fan, so like I can tell by like his, like literally just by his phrasing and his mm-hmm. voice, what era Eminem it was. Right. It sounds like mid 2000s Mid two thousands Eminem, so maybe don't, early two thousands like tops. So maybe don't bring dead people back. It's just weird. It's just like, it's just not. It wasn't their vision, right? So it's like Tupac wrote that verse and it was over something, but it wasn't over that. Yeah, and it's just you know what I mean. 
How did they get the rights to that? I guess they just bought it off the record. Sugar owns all that yeah. shit. Yeah, so he's really. like, yeah, whatever. Murder, uh, not Murder, Inc. Uh, uh, Death Row Records yeah. owned all that oh, yeah, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That was the problem with that whole situation is that when Tupac was in jail, Suge bailed him out, but the stipulation was you have to, you, you sign like a three or five, was it a five, uh, a five record contract with me, and here's the price. And it was super, I mean, super low price for what it was we're talking like a couple million dollars for a five a five record contract you right. know what i mean uh so that was part of the issue of why i think that should kill them uh because he tupac was setting himself up to uh get out of the contract hmm. and that was becoming like a thing so they, they that's why i think they should kill them yeah, but what is the deal with that? Like, so a record company, they just have the rights to do whatever they want to after you die with your music? Well, they own the rights to the music. So that means that they can start, like, if if we get real close into AI and stuff, they can be like, we're making new David Bowie records. If they own the rights to it, yeah. I'm just saying, like, like completely new songs. No, if they don't own the right, if they don't own the rights, they can't do that. But the like, the like, the the likeness of of that person, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, you can. That, you, can you can't really own that. Or maybe you can't own that. I don't well, know. I mean, look at Gre- Greta Van Fleet is basically hmm. just doing Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? Is that what you're kind of what you're talking about? No. What are you talking about? I'm talking about like, say, like maybe 50 years in the future, computers are so great that they can take like an algorithm and they can just make a David Bowie song now oh, using using old stuff like a new new like David Bowie song. his entire dis- discography and creating something based right on I see what you're saying they're, they're already they're that's a cool concept no it's not that's no, what I'm trying not. to say that's it's awful out of a job man yeah <laughs> well I mean I don't know I, I think that people I think most people would go into it knowing what they were getting I don't think they would put any, I don't think it would put anybody out of a job I think they would I think it's an interesting yeah. concept I don't know you know like I don't know but that that like uh, that like part of the contract doesn't exist yet. That's true. So yeah. they're so like, yeah, we own this record, and then like also when you die hundred years later, then we get to write new music right, with like, your entire right. with your name, yeah. your likeness. Yeah. Well, if the estate's on top of it, then the estate will keep the uh, will keep updating the terms well, as they go. That's up right? to states' rights, I guess. But no, the estate. What the estate? Oh, okay. The, the people that own the music after I'm you just die. messing. Okay. Come on. Yeah. We had a whole conversation about this last night. So <laughs> All right. What's your unpopular opinion, Tony? Um, well, I think I'm going to stick on on this. I had a different one, but I'm going to stick with this uh, trend. I think the Biggie versus Tupac argument is bullshit. Okay. Um, and not to say that there isn't an argument to be made for a comparison. <laughs> you can just walk on through. It's a very low budget podcast. You don't have to hide or anything. You're drawing, the, you're drawing more attention. You're, by, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you're behind the cameras. Yeah. Well. Like, so, that's what so I'm laughing good, about. Yeah. I'm like, is there a camera back there we don't know about? Yeah. So good. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So I think the Biggie versus Tupac argument is bullshit. Uh, there, there is an argument to be had about different, uh, you know, issues that were going on with Tupac and other rappers, but not Biggie. I'm confused. Like, what? What are, what are you trying to say? What do you mean it's bullshit? I don't think it's a fair comparison. Oh, you mean because they're so different? Yeah. Yeah. I. I kind of. I've always thought that was weird too. Though, because just like listen to Biggie, and he just like he just flows, and he's just like just like cool the whole time, and then Tupac's just preaching at you, very angrily. <laughs> yeah. Just screaming at you the <laughs> whole that time. That video, the the you sent me the TikTok video. What's the, I can't remember the name of the. Oh, the song. Hit, I can't, uh, hit him up. Yeah, hit him up, and it was the backup uh, vocalist, like <laughs> just like waiting, and they're just like. 
just screaming at yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. What's he so mad? I, I, at? I can't think yeah. of the lyrics or anything like that. But oh, yeah. That, that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a fair comparison. Like if what Biggie's doing is a different kind of thing. His flow is completely different. Like the, the beats that he's rapping over are completely different. They were just the content the is completely different. It. Well, they were just, they had, uh, you know, they had like a beef with each other. That's yeah. why the comparison is there. I didn't know And that. then became like, <laughs> and then it became like West Coast. <laughs> Sorry. <And> then, <laughs> okay, man. Right. You're good. You I'm can't sorry. apologize for being you, Bill. I, I'm no, sorry. For, I know I am. I'm yeah. sorry Everybody's about the way that I you, am. <laughs> uh, so and it, it stemmed the whole East Coast, West Coast thing. And out of that, here's why I will say, is that there was a beef with Nas and Tupac, which got a lot less publicized. Now, that is a much more fair comparison. Okay. That's my popular opinion. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, without a doubt, that that's, like, the biggest beef of all time is Biggie versus Tupac. Yeah. Like, that they were shooting at each other. And well, stuff. I don't know how much of that was true, but we don't know. Nobody really does. Uh, but I just think that, you know, you can pick a side and who you like more, I yeah, guess, yeah, like, yeah. whoever speaks to you more. But at the end of the day, it's, it's not a fair comparison. Well, one of them speaks to you and the other one... Yells at angrily you. yells at you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm, I, 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 but it, the, the lyrics are great. Yeah, just who's he's not speaking. Yeah, he's not speaking. <laughs> I have a soft spot in my heart for Tupac. When I was in high school, that was like my that was like my thing. Like that was like him and uh, Eminem were like the two voices. Also, kind of yelling at no, you. No, Eminem is a whole different ball game. Yeah. You know, it's a whole different thing. But those are the two. That that's what really got me into like hip hop, and I went down the rabbit hole after that. But like those were the two people that I really were like, oh my god, like these guys are amazing. Uh, Biggie just didn't hit me in that way, but I also understand that they're completely different, right? If you want to make the comparison, Nas and Tupac would be a better comparison because the content is so similar. It's both very politically driven, and it's and there's a there's a preacher element to it. Um, if you, uh, and in that scenario, what I would say is that Nas was definitely a more talented lyricist overall. I don't know. Okay. You know, I'm popular. You got, are you guys uh, familiar? You're not familiar with Nas at all, but are, are you familiar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Illmatic record was like a game changer. I mean, for for a conscious hip-hop artist like that to get put on the pop scale, you know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't something that was happening. It still so, admittedly, I'm not as familiar with them as you are. But, okay. But I'm definitely aware of them, and I, I'd be able to pick him out amongst, you know, with a blindfold test, I think. so. Totally. Yeah, he's got such a unique voice, mm-hmm. you know. But, yeah, I don't know. It was just both, like, like, that would be a more fair comparison, and in that comparison, I think Nas definitely takes takes that one. Yeah, it's definitely unpopular. Yeah, I, yeah it's definitely Tupac Biggie all day. That's, like... They've like write songs about it. I know it doesn't make it just doesn't make any sense, man. All right. I don't know. That's my unpopular opinion. You want to bring it home, Bob? Sure. All right. Um, so uh, I, I I I see a lot of this happening, and uh, I I have been guilty of it myself. But I was a teenager at the time, so there's really no accounting. Um, but I see grown adults do this to this day, and it's a very simple concept that I see running rampant among the music community, and it's musicians hating on other musicians. Right, yeah. yeah. The fuck and most here. of the time... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. Sorry, what'd you say? Nothing, nothing. He said, but fuck John Mayer. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, 
Yes, Maybe really- this is just me talking about me and where I was at the time when I when I took that approach, where I would just be like, "Fuck John Mayer," yeah. you know, because that was my initial re- reaction when Mine he too. when he started to blow up. I was like, "Who's this pretty boy with an acoustic guitar?" And mm-hmm. everybody's saying he's amazing or whatever. And then I saw him on Austin City Limits, and I was like, "Fuck me and my guitar playing. This guy's amazing." Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> most of the time, I just think it's just a bunch of jealous people who are insecure about themselves and wish they were them or at least at a further point in their career. And what I mean by that is like people hating on it. I mean, I'm just going to be real. We're here on a podcast. It's a place to be real. Be real, bro. Uh, people hating on the halftime shows. You yeah. know, it's like, when was your last halftime show, bro? Yeah. I mean, I know that, and that's, that may be like a really simplified way to put it, but or maybe, maybe like a really like, simplistic like idealistic kind of kind of comeback or whatever but it's like you know what how's your career going you know i'm sure i i, I seriously doubt bruno mars is, car- is crying himself to sleep over your fucking facebook post yeah you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's like no one gives a fuck about your opinion seriously man and you're just like how how are how are you furthering how are you advancing your career unless it's like a publicity thing or or, or if it's like a beef like brandy and monica you know i mean everybody knows the boy is mine you know everybody knows that song you know, because of their beef or whatever. And that right. was like that, that catapulted both of their careers and, you know, everybody involved with that song. But like, um, but <laughs> just hating for the sake of hating, it's like fucking get over yourself. Go home and practice, man. Well, everyone wants the hot take, right? That, that's the thing. And so we live in the age of hot takes. I and guess. You get the hot take and like you get all the attention and it's the whole thing. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, I agree with you 100%. I think that people need to stop hating. We're, I think as musicians, we can't help but have uh, an opinion. Absolutely. When no, we see and, things, and, you know. And I'm not just sorry to talk over you, man, but no, I no, mean, no. you know, definitely say, like, I mean, there's music that I don't care for, and I'll say that, but I'll say that and then move on with my life. You right. Know? <laughs> and not fucking harp on this shit. Totally. And not try and convince other people that these people suck or whatever. It's like, not up to me. You know, it's not up to me. I'm not going to change anybody's mind about art. Right. You know, something that's fucking subjective. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, man. Not to mention, it's like when you get to that level of like playing the halftime show, there's like, like being an artist is so much more than just being a performer, you know? Oh, yeah. There's Uh an entire like vision that has to become realized, right? And that's like building your team and your your, your network of people and, and like seeing the vision, the, the, the business and, and the whole thing, right? Like all of that, at the end of the day, like you have the last word on all of it, right? And so, yeah, if you have a bad night or if you have, like, we're talking like every single night is a, is a million dollar production <laughs> yep. with hundreds, if not thousands of people, depending on you mm-hmm. for that thing to go off without a hitch. Like if, if you have a bad night, it's okay. And musicians that hate on it, it's just because you don't get it. And that's, that's it. You know, I mean, people who are raised watching Mariah Carey videos expect a Mariah Carey video every time. Like, I think she did a, a Rockin' New Year's Eve one year, and there was some, some kind of snafu yeah, with that. the sound. And everybody just fucking piled on her and went in on her. It's like, you know what, man? Like, this is 20 years after whatever fantasy came out, and everybody's expecting, you know... Uh, Jermaine Dupree production, you know, right. but this is a live TV production where if one out of a million things goes wrong, the whole thing could could fold. 
And it just so happened, wasn't her fault. You know, some shit went wrong and now it's all her fault. And you know, right. this is, I can't adjust my expectations of what I listened to and watched on MTV when I was 13. And so let me just hate on her. It just, it, goes, it goes to show of how, it goes to show how little even musicians value the, the art of music and, and the, the profession of being an artist, right? Yeah. It's like, if you have changed your entire scope or your or your opinion of this person based off this one performance, you actually have no respect for the grind or for the profession as mm-hmm. a whole. No, you know that's just what it is, man. If <laughs> if my like fifteen minutes of fame, if my halftime performance was based off of one of my bad nights, where like because I've had nights where you know whatever. Thankfully, it wasn't a high profile thing, but I ate dog shit, you know, and like I wasn't playing, I you know, anywhere near where like half. What, what what I know my ability is if if that was like my my moment of fame like shit man I can't imagine what you know what that would do to me <laughs> you know? uh, I can so, tell you what it'll do to you because I've had that happen to me before okay not, not like at a halftime show level right but right. like where you're like show but you're you're like in a in a scenario where the stakes are real right and you just fucking bomb and you're like well this is the worst feeling ever right because because you, you know that as the artist like you know that like yeah. you, you know that they're seeing you for the first time and this is what they're going to take away and they will never come back again because of that experience as the artist you know that more than anybody anybody else, else. more exactly. painfully aware of that than anybody shit man exactly but that had to be pretty formative huh uh there had to be a positive that you took away from that yeah, just don't fuck up like that. You know, I mean, like, but don't that doesn't do that. that. That yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that again. Don't do that again. <laughs> oh, you know, but it's it's hard, man. You know, there's there's a lot of things that come into play. But I can sympathize with the the performance anxiety aspect is real too. You know, absolutely. And on top absolutely. of the pressure of having um, that many people rely on you for their income just per night, like we're talking like different people every single night, yep. right? But then there's the cameras and there's the amount of people that are just watching you in that moment and they're expecting a perfect performance. Mm-hmm. They're, especially, especially in the pop realm. They're not try, they don't want any deviation from what they've heard on the radio. No, they want a period. polished, absolute representation of what they hear. That is an to over and over. unfair expectation mm-hmm. to, be, to be held to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so I get it. You know, like, I, don't, I don't hate on people for having – I try not to hate on people for having a bad night. We're all human. We have our flaws, right? Like I, I still to this day, and I'll say it on here, that I thought Jamiroquai set at Halloween was god-awful, okay? <laughs> but again, like I'm sure Jamiroquai like, was just having a bad night and just happened to be at we the festival them, that we were at, you know? But we it's just like, them. you know, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't bar me from listening to them again, though. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? I definitely go see a show again for sure. It's a bad dude. But doesn't that doesn't that whole situation make the uh, ability for it to be so great? I mean, is that chance of absolute failure and criticism? Like otherwise, like no offense, I don't know, trying to be least, but then anybody could just do it and it wouldn't matter. Of course, yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not. I'm not trying to argue up uh, any means that we. Shouldn't be like, yeah, fuck that band. I'll never listen to them. Like, like you said, try to convince people that it was awful and everything like that, and hold that grudge or whatever, and not ever listen to it again. But if that didn't exist, then I feel like then the other part, the yin yang sort of situation. 
I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, like you kind of need that level of hate in order for the level of greatness to be that great. And that that sounds elitist for sure. But I literally just yeah. Otherwise, because it's not. I don't ever want to think of music as like a competition because then you just get into American Idol and that's just the worst. But I do kind of see it as like yeah, it is like hey, this is the, the fucking you're in the show now. You're in the limelight. Yeah, this is your chance to be awesome, or you could you know the risk is way higher. Right, but there, but there has to be some kind of uh, tolerance for sure for you know the the, where's the, the, the margin line? of error. Where, I where's think where's the line though? You know what I mean? Well, there's a margin of error, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so. oh, like okay, for example, like everybody lost their shit uh, when um, Red Hot Chili Peppers played for the halftime show, yeah. and they didn't they weren't even plugged in. Mm-hmm. You know, and then people were like losing their mind, like they weren't even plugged in. I'm like, yeah, like we fucking got you. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's also like, hey guys. Uh, these are tube amplifiers and these yeah. are cables <laughs> and these are uh, these are very uh, malleable things. Yeah. Oh, and and this is a multi-million dollar production that mm-hmm. you all want to see go off without a hitch. So we're not taking any risks. They're not mm-hmm. plugging in. Yeah. We're playing, we're, we're overdubbing. Yep. <laughs> you know what? I, that's, that's what happens. I, that was Bruno's set, right? Where they joined. Where yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I also learned a little while ago that like super famous uh, a video of Whitney Houston uh, singing the national anthem for the Super Bowl, lip synced. Oh, hundred percent. You can well, Google that. That, that sucked. Well, I mean, you know, or it, does it, it suck? It, 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 it's, we can keep moving. I didn't hear that. We can. Keep it's true. <laughs> Every time I'd watch that, I'm like, damn. God damn, America. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna live the rest of my it's life. It's lip sync. It's lip sync. You can Google it. No, I can't unhear that. I know. You're a really good uh, juror. Yeah. She does a really good job of listening, you know. Uh, and it's obviously her singing. It's just a recording, so. Yeah, I mean. Does that like, make it bad? I don't know. Well, no, there's, there's again, like, like as an artist, I think that we can take that in, into consideration, right? Like, like for the back end of it. But as a fan, you don't want to hear that. That ruins the whole thing. For oh, you, yeah. You I know? wish I never heard it either, but sorry, boys. Is it true, though? Or is it just it's one true. of those, those facts? Don't can get, you fact no check that real quick? Just Please don't. <laughs> Taylor's convinced that it's real doesn't want to hear it you know again. how I found out I don't know I got in some YouTube uh, uh, rabbit hole of looking up like famous those are always pretty accurate yeah, yeah. well yeah, yeah of course yeah, but well, it was yeah. like don't even bother looking it up He's, he saw it on YouTube it was just like <laughs> we got the, the biggest uh, lip singers of all time like the biggest ones and you're like oh, no not that one yeah yeah not Britney yeah not Britney <laughs> well <laughs> I don't know. I understand the uh, the pressure and and the, the need to do things sometimes that aren't going to be totally acceptable for you know, the, the general population. You know, I just have a really good band name to wrap this whole up. Brittany Houston. <laughs> Are they doing Whitney Houston interpretations of Britney songs it's or black, Britney it's interpret- black metal from black Nor- metal. Norway? I want to dance with some baby one more time. Britney Houston. No, that sounds like a like a yeah. That's good. Oh, you can do matchups for sure. Yeah. But but no, that that you'd be like, oh my god, is this gonna be like Britney Spears and Wendy Houston? No, no, <laughs> this is gonna be jazz, yeah. jazz, <laughs> yeah. instrumental jazz, that, no that vocals is, whatsoever. That's how you round the no whole dancing. thing out. That's what, yeah, you play, you play it during a compilation of hockey fights on YouTube. Yeah. That kind of music. Uh, Taylor, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having a lot me. Of round fun. two, man. Yeah, thanks absolutely, a lot. absolutely. Um, thanks for tuning in to the bottom of the bill. Make sure you t- check out Taylor's uh, new record, Live at the Blue Jay, uh, and the uh, Taylor in- Roberts Quintet that you have coming out. When's that coming out? Do you know yet? Sometime uh, after today. 
So, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. After you listen to this, or it may, it may have, uh, depending on when you listen to this, it may be out. But uh, announce uh, the release date will be announced in the future. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Indiegogo handle thing again? So if you go to my website tr7guitar.com, we will have a link to the Indiegogo campaign up, and um, just trying to raise funds to get it mixed and mastered. Hell awesome. Yeah. All right, well, check that out. Support local artists, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. Adios, muchachos. Peace.